Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to your podcast or mine, where the creative minds behind the mic are interviewed. Now, let's get things started. Here's your host, Sherry. Hi there, welcome to another episode of Your Podcaster Mind. I'm Sherry. Today I'm speaking with Ronit Plank, the creative mind behind the podcast, and then everything changed. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ronit. Sherry, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Why don't we get things started by uh, you giving a brief description of the podcast. And then Everything Changed is a podcast. I kind of coined it as the pivotal moments in life and the decisions that define us. So I am really talking to guests about maybe family of origin stories or stories of adulthood that uh, have these kind of cornerstone moments, watershed moments and experiences that seem to be major events in their lives that they then grew from or learned from or found that their life changed after. And my guests generally have a history that is interesting, unique, or something that they've thought a lot about, and they've sort of reflected on it. They also have sort of a vulnerability to be able to express what they experienced, and they also seem to have in common that they want to share what they learned with people who are listening in the hopes that maybe it'll help somebody else with what they're going through. What inspired the podcast? Do you have a pivotal moment that changed your life? That is a great question. I used to act and then I became a writer and I still write, but the podcast has been taking up a lot of time lately. (laughs) So that's a little bit slow right now, my writing. But I always think about what I learned in writing, which was what are the pivotal moments or the kind of watershed moments or point of no return in a story because I started with fiction. And I, I originally envisioned the podcast with a format of, okay, if your life were a movie or a novel, what would be the crucial scenes, which is still a good way to start, but it's hard for people to boil down, I find, their life into, you know, movies that, scenes that need to be in a movie or a book. So for me, in my life, experience difficulty growing up, and I've written about it. I have work on The Atlantic and at The Rumpus and in other short stories that kind of depicts what happened to me in certain terms. My mom left several times when I was growing up. My father raised me and my sister. Of course, there was divorce like so many people experience. And there was also the abandonment by a parent, which definitely affected me. And I'd say for years, I 
not consciously, but just decided that it wasn't a big deal. I was fine. I mean, I definitely had a lot of pain growing up, but then in my late teens, I just decided it wasn't that big of a deal. But as I've gotten older and become a mother myself and done a lot of writing and, of course, therapy, I realized, wow, this was pretty pivotal and not just a one-liner, oh, my mom left. And so as I've worked through my own experiences and come to understand how important parents are to their children, my interest in other people's stories grew. And so I actually found that I started to do less talking about myself and more listening to other people. And as I've become older and a little bit more experienced, I find it far more interesting to hear where people are from and what they've gone through and what they've learned and what they think about their experiences than I do about you know dwelling on my own past. That said, I'm super happy and I hope pretty open usually to talk about what happened to me because, again, I feel like it can only help other people and hopefully build some empathy between everybody. But I feel like most people have a story. One of my little taglines, which is not an original tagline, is that everybody has a story um, and some people are willing to share it and some people have some perspective on it. I don't think things have happy endings and neat bows. I think things are really complicated and textured, but I feel like we all have points in our lives that we can connect on and share with each other. Right. I'm the product of divorce myself. My mother and father got a divorce when I was young, and there were moments he was in and out of my life. I'm not a parent myself, but my sister is a parent, and I have mm-hmm. you know, certainly a lot of close friends that are parents. On the flip side of that, I had a friend, and she was what I would consider a best friend at the time. I was probably in my early 30s, and she had two children, and she just left. She just packed up and left. So that was about 18 years ago. Her children are young adults now, And I just wonder how they're managing. I'm sure they're fine, (laughs) you know, but Mm. it's just devastating. Did you ever hear from her again? No. She fell off the face of the earth. And there, there were attempts to try to locate her, but I don't know where she is. And it still bothers me to this day. I think it's really a lot more common than we think. It's very common to not want a parent, although we don't, hear the stories as much and a lot of people have been left by a parent and and actually a lot of people's parents stay but they might not be there emotionally for their kid and I do know people who were raised by their parents both parents but the parents weren't really engaged or involved and I think that can be really cruel as well at the same time I feel like I, I gained a lot of grit from what happened to me but I certainly didn't let myself feel it while it was happening it caused a lot of trouble for me later in life because I feel if something really difficult happens to you as a kid, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, you just have to spend your, like, decades dismantling it if you want to. I mean, if you don't want to dismantle it, then you can carry on, and maybe some of those people end up having great relationships, and I think that's amazing. Personally, I wasn't ready to be vulnerable in my relationships or trust people for so long, and I feel like I finally broke through about eight years ago. I mean, it really took a long time. And then there's sort of a trail of damage if you think about it, because then those kids who are left, you don't know if they're going to grow up and be able to be stable in their lives or even good parents. And 
when I hear stories of mothers and fathers who couldn't parent, I definitely think there's more bias against moms who can't do it versus fathers. And yeah. interestingly enough, I have a relationship with my mom. I have a memoir that is at agents right now. I'm trying to get it published. And it is a coming-of-age memoir, and it is about my mom leaving. But it's interesting because I have to make some changes to it. This is the first time I'm actually speaking about it, like, out loud. Because I do have a relationship with my mom, and I was trying to avoid that in the book. I was trying to keep it isolated to the growing up time. Because it's kind of, you know, really sad, but there's also great things in it, like my father took good care of us. And my sister and I were really close, and I became, I guess, plucky. But the truth is, my mom and I reconciled, and a lot of people don't understand how that could be or the relationship now, and I'm still understanding it. But, you know, I think that things are complex, and my mom has grown lately. But I also feel like some people who leave their kids didn't get mothering or fathering properly when they were kids, right? So, like, how were they supposed to figure it out? Right. You know, she didn't, she didn't have the resources, right? But, of course, it's a complicated subject because some people who don't have the resources manage to figure it out, and some people don't. You know, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, I agree with that. The, the relationship that I had with my father was, was very strained, and my father was in and out of our lives quite a bit. After they had divorced, he had actually moved back in with us, and they were fighting, so I just told them to figure it out. How old were you? I was 10 when I said that, and he developed lung cancer when I was in my uh, mid-30s. He didn't have anyone, and he was stage four, so his Mm -hmm. VA counselor called my mom, And so she contacted me, and I said, well, of course we have to take care of him. So that was November of 2004, and in March of 2005, he passed away. But we reconciled everything. Do Do you think he understood the impact his leaving had on you? Oh, I, I don't know. I really can't answer that question because... He was very detached because I think mm-hmm. he didn't want us to be more hurt than we already were. I think at the end he understood everything, and, you know, we had peace with each other, and he had yeah. peace in leaving. So mm-hmm. that was, I think, cathartic for everyone, you know, involved. It was quite something for you to decide to be able to take care of him. I have a feeling about that. I have an opinion, which, of course, I think I would do the same thing. It's kind of like the, quote, right thing to do. But that's not always easy. But families are nothing if they're not complicated. So, you know, I feel like I'm in a therapy session right now speaking with you about it. (laughs) I have to say I hear that now and then during my interviews. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of your guests probably feel the same way. You know, but, (laughs) you know, the fact of the matter is that part of my life made me a stronger person, but I did have a lot of walls built up with with trust, especially with men and their relationships with me, which is why I'm unmarried and have no children. I think the amount of people who have kind of a whole or, you know, healthy, if we can call it maybe healthy way of being in a relationship are in the minority. I mean, I remember seeing friends of mine kind of pair up with people and they just seem to have very trouble-free relationships 
not without fighting, you know, but they just seem to understand how to be with someone. Those those girls who would partner off even in high school and college and just be in this relationship, and it was never easy for me. And I really don't know why my maternal instincts are really strong. My sister, too. I have a younger sister. She's married as well. And we're both, I, I would say, really pretty good moms. And I don't mean that in, in an obnoxious way, just like considering where we came from. Our children are so important to us. And I don't know if that's nurture or nature. My father was pretty nurturing, so maybe we learned it from him. Maybe it was innate. I really don't know. But I know my mom didn't have a good situation growing up, and I know my father didn't have a good situation growing up. That's It's part of the reason why I find the interviews to be so interesting, because so many people experience hardship. I mean, I really think that's the norm and the standard, and it's kind of what do you do with it? You know, what? not everything has to have a happy ending, or you, you don't have to come out of everything right away, but the people I seem to talk to have figured something out or understood something and have made something from what happened. And that, to me, is super inspiring and interesting. For example, if you're involved in a situation that's not very good or or pivotal in, in some way, shape, or form, there are two roads that you could take. You could take the positive, and not saying that there are road bumps along the way, because there certainly are, or you could take the mm-hmm. negative and go really dark. Well, I mean, you know. my second guest, author Jason Allen, whose novel came out this past summer, he said of his entire family, I think his mom was the only one who wasn't struggling with addiction. There was alcoholism and drug use in his family. They're from Long Island, and that episode is called Different This Time. And it riddled their family, and it hurt his brother so so badly that they almost lost him. He himself was, you know, completely lost in drinking, and he decided to turn his life around and go into recovery probably less than a decade ago, and he's been living that way since. And so his writing reflects that. His novel has a lot to do with characters who drink a lot, but he's also writing a memoir, and he found a way to kind of come out of it. His father died. His father was the big drinker um, in the family, and his brother is still, you know, trying to survive. But... I mean, that's a story of, I would say, recovery and I guess I could say redemption because he's made this conscious decision to change his family pattern, you know. But also Christine McLean, whose episode is, so my first season has just ended. It was eight episodes and I'm beginning again next week. I'm beginning on January 7th with my whole new season and I have a whole bunch of new guests coming. But um, Christine McLean, her episode is entitled Everybody New and her father was an abusive drunk Uh, super drunk and really hurtful and she reconciled with him sometime in her early 20s and she had a drinking problem too and she actually just became sober about five or six months ago and has learned so much about her childhood and herself and really has some strong opinions about alcoholism and, and really considers it more of an alcohol use disorder and she really enlightened me and the people I've talked to who didn't know what alcohol use disorder is find it interesting as well because I think we label alcoholism as, you know, this very uh, extreme set of circumstances that make you an alcoholic. But a lot of people would actually fall into alcohol use disorder. And when she realized she had that, she decided she needed to stop drinking. So I don't know. Those those people really taught me a lot, and I don't even know what tangent I got onto. <laughs> I don't even know how I got onto alcoholism. But, yeah, but those those guests are people who really made it through some really hard stuff, you know, and are trying – 
with all their might to change their lives and the pattern of the future, right? For me, the situation with my father and I had just turned 40 in 2011. I was on my way to work and I got hit head on by someone going in the wrong lane. I was in the prime of my life, actually, and that mm. was my and then everything changed moment because that. What happened? I was just driving to work, minding my business. What were your injuries? Like, what happened? How injured were you? I had a broken non-union clavicle fracture on the left side that was pretty bad. It almost punctured my uh, lungs. Um, major concussion. I was out for, like, blacked out for maybe a couple of minutes. I'm not sure. And my right ankle was mangled, basically. Since the accident, I've had almost 20 surgeries, including a total ankle replacement. Did the driver stay? Oh, the driver stayed because there was no place that he could go. <laughs> it was only a two-lane road, and his his truck was disabled pretty much. He was walking around the scene of the accident. I had quite a few witnesses. As a matter of fact, there was a police officer maybe about 500 feet away who couldn't see what was going on but saw Mm. the traffic backing up and someone ran up to him and said look you need to come down here something's pretty bad down here so he (laughs) I I made someone stay stay by not uh, letting him get a traffic ticket (laughs) so you you have been dealing with the aftermath of that accident it sounds like physically for since then yes well next February in 2021, and it'll be 10 years. And I just had my last surgery in April. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I have more to come. But, you know, that was a pivotal moment in my life. So obviously that changed a lot of things. Pain changes everything. It can change your outlook, and it changes everything you do. When you don't have pain in your body, you don't realize how much pain will hamper you and make your life terrible. Uh, yeah, that, that's just one aspect of it. <laughs> Physically, I can't do the things that I was able to beforehand. People don't understand when those things are taken away from them, how much they rely on them. It changed a lot of things. It is allowing me to say no a little bit more, and it's mm-hmm. allowing me to understand myself a lot more than what I used to so oh really in what way that's interesting well I know my limits now I'm one of those people that likes to bite off more than they can chew so I have to kind of scale back a lot Mm -hmm. yeah you know I don't think I knew a lot about trauma or pain um, for years it's only now that you know really in the past year that my understanding has grown and I listened to a TED talk the other day with my kids and we were driving home from something and just about the changes in DNA that trauma and pain can create I guess there's something about like the sequencing doesn't change so you still develop the cells you need to develop but they are maybe forever altered from this is my basic understanding and I'm saying it all wrong so if scientists are listening or researchers listening I apologize (laughs) you can write to me on my website and tell me what I got wrong but um that there is actually this manifestation physically. Like it's not, you know, fibromyalgia and, you know, like autoimmune disease and actual depression and anxiety and, you know, trauma-induced pain in the body 
that kind of stuff actually changes your body. And so people have to live with that. You know, they, they have to kind of overcome that if they want to try to feel better. And it's not always easy to do because it's an actual physical change in the body. Right. Well, why don't we get back to the uh, nuts and bolts of the podcast. What compelled you to become become involved with podcasting? I had a podcast with Katie Anthony called Mouthy Messy Mandatory for about a year. I was an actress and a singer, and I stopped acting and began writing when my babies were small. So I, I was comfortable talking. Anyone who knows me will tell you I'm comfortable talking. I love writing, and I was expressing myself that way. And then when my friend, who's a writer, asked me to be her co-host on this show, which you can still hear on iTunes. It's called Mouthy Messy Mandatory. We were doing all these episodes on Monica Lewinsky and Harvey Weinstein and Louis C.K. and everything. We had about a year's worth of episodes, and it was weekly, and we talked about current events and pop culture, and it was pretty fun. I really enjoyed that platform. I wanted to talk less and hear more from other people as time went on. And so I took a break. I didn't know what my next move was going to be. And I started thinking about this podcast, and I actually submitted a rough idea of this to a contest with American Public Media, and I thought that would be awesome if they wanted to produce it and help me with this. But I didn't get that. That didn't happen. And I then started to think about, well, all I have to really do is learn the tech side of this because I can do everything else myself. And so I learned how to use the microphone. I learned how to edit in GarageBand. I learned what levels I needed. And everything I did was for the first time. I launched on Halloween, October 31st, with my first episode, which was an interview I truly, truly loved doing with Paul Boardman, who is a funeral celebrant. And he is the son of, wow, like evangelical uh, missionaries, and he grew up in Japan, and he had constant corporal punishment that he faced, and so did his siblings, all within this like umbrella of God and Christianity. And so his story was super interesting. He actually was the catalyst for me to begin the podcast. I knew him through somebody else, and I went to this party that I wasn't going to go to, but I decided to go to. There he was, and we started talking, and I thought, you would be an amazing guest for my podcast. He was interested and he signed up to do it. And that was why I launched one. I had been thinking about it for a while and learning what I needed to learn. And then he was the reason why I started when I started. And since then, it's been really great. I have to say like in life, sometimes you hit obstacles and things really take you off track. And sometimes you do something that seems to really flow. And so far, In my two months of doing this, I've gotten the guests I wanted to get. People have reached out to me. My episodes have done well, it seems, on the platforms. I'm growing my podcast, and I feel like I'm bringing people to the podcast that really want to be there, and I'm getting more and more comfortable sharing it on social media and growing the brand and being a little more of an entrepreneur. What I would say is different from the people that my podcast is not trying to sell anything. I don't have anything to sell. I'm not selling services or anything like that. So my podcast is about human stories, and mostly I want it to feel like I think people who like NPR Fresh Air, if they like uh, StoryCorps, maybe if they like This American Life and documentaries, they would like my podcast. My website right now is And Then Everything Changed website, and then I have a Ronit Fine Glass Plank website. But I've hired a company that I'm working with 
to help me merge the two pod, the two websites so that you will come to my website for me and there you will find the podcast and then eventually the book. And so in that sense, I guess I will have something to sell, but it's not the purpose of the podcast. And I'm happy to have my guests promote what they do. So there is a portion at the end of each episode where I ask my guests to please mention the links they'd like listeners to go to because a couple of people who have listened to the podcast then go off and find these guests resources useful right or they find a new podcast because of the guest or they realize wow I can actually buy these books about managing money for children because I heard it on Ronit's you know podcast so my upcoming guests this season coming up in January for 2020 I have a widow who survived whose husband she lost in 9-11, but she has gone on to write books, and she is she has two grown children now, so I'm kind of looking into what her life is like. I've got a deaf-blind guest who lost an eye as a child, and she is coming up with her own book and her own brand and helps people market. I've actually got a woman who is a psychic. <laughs> I have a man who wants to talk about his coming of age growing up and how in his small town he wasn't allowed to express his sexuality. And so his sexuality got changed and he got impacted heavily by drugs and abuse as, as a teenager. So there's kind of a gamut. And I also have a little bit of lightness in there too. It's not always heavy. I do have this lovely woman, Rachelle Solomon, who's talking about how she came to get out of $400,000 debt and reduce her debt and teach money to children so they'll never have to deal with what she did. So there's a broad range. And I hope that when listeners take a look at the podcast episodes, they scroll through and hopefully they'll listen to all of them, but maybe they'll find one that really hits home that they want to listen to right away because there's a really broad range of guests. I, I look through <laughs> and listen to a couple of the episodes and they're very diverse, which for example, you had the man that walked across the country, the United yes. States, and that that I found to be quite riveting. <laughs> yeah, that's his Tom Griffin, and his perspective is so different, and he's got that great story about meeting the man who was homeless who wanted to actually help him, and so that the lesson he learned from that man, Lion, was pretty stunning, and Tom's memoir about his walk across America, which he did in six months, he's working on that right now. I got to read part of it, and it's going to be amazing. It's pretty awesome. He's got lots of anecdotes in there. And I mean, how many people walk across America? And actually, it's funny because Tom Griffin will tell you that there are a lot of people crossing America. They're, they're called crossers. But in his case, like in my case, I didn't know anyone. So this man did it on foot and his episode is called On the Run. If anyone wants to find that one, it's called On the Run. And it was in season one. So <laughs> yeah. uh, you mentioned episodes we could look forward to early 2020. Do you have any goals for the podcast or for yourself? That's yeah, that's a good question. I wanted to make an appointment with myself to write down my goals for the podcast. I do that with my writing and with other things. Just what am I wanting to do and what do I want to see? It's half goals and half creative visualization. I think it's been really helpful to me in my life. I try to stay motivated. I'm pretty ambitious, I guess. I don't see myself as ambitious as much as a friend or two has said to me, wow, you're pretty ambitious. So I realized I must be ambitious in my own little tiny spot of the world. I would like to have my listenership increase. I want to continue to get guests come to me that want to be on and want to discuss what they've learned and just share with people insight that they've gained. I'd like to increase my profile. I'd like to have more people share the podcast by word of mouth and have people 
say to each other, this is a great podcast. And that an ideal goal would be that if someone came to me at some point and said, oh, my friend just found this podcast that's really good. It's called And Then Everything Changed. And I'll be like, oh, my gosh, it's my podcast. That would be <laughs> awesome. That would be really great. It would be fun to be you know, mentioned at some point in any kind of magazine or trade publication or other podcast as a podcast to listen to, that would be amazing. I want to continue to improve my show quality, continue to learn and grow and and make sure I don't get stuck in any ruts as an interviewer. I want to continue to make my guests feel comfortable and want to share and get across this feeling that it's a safe space and I always want to stay away from malice and mean-spiritedness. My goal is to create sort of a connection. I mean, it sounds lofty, and I, I don't mean to sound full of myself at all. I just want to create a safe space that is meant for connection and human empathy and contact. I feel so much from what I've learned as a writer and as a mom and as just a person listening to other people's stories that we all have these incredible lives. I think that To live through your life is not always easy. I think we need each other, and I think that anything we can do, especially in the current climate of the world, to foster that kind of kindness or just ability to take a moment when you meet someone or when you feel irritation rising you with someone you don't understand to understand that maybe you have something in in, um, common. And especially when you think about people on opposite sides of the political spectrum, you know, there's so much anger now and there's so much wrath toward people we think we don't understand. But I think if you really pick it apart and see inside someone, you'll see that you have a lot more in common and and hopefully that can create a different climate, you know, slowly, surely in the world. I agree with that completely because things are very divisive, especially now the the climate is touchy and more ways than one so so yes i mean people can understand one another and respect one another yes and when we think about clickbait and social media it'll grab people's attention obviously like the divisive stuff does right i mean when you think about movies and and books and thrillers and things like that the reason people go to movies and stories is because something happens, something really intense happens, and often there's danger or there's struggle, but we're watching hopefully the protagonist make it out of that struggle or or get somewhere, right? So obviously I think in a way humans are drawn to the negativity in a story or the badness in a story because it's dangerous and it's interesting and it makes us wonder what we would do. But I think as an antidote to some of that negativity and that clickbait stuff, is a moment of peace or just a pause where you can reflect and think, huh, you know, I'm not alone. This person's not alone. And I'm really, Sherry, in a way, sometimes the and then everything changed moment can be in the listener to be, to be in a kind of understanding or communion, hopefully, with the guest and say, wow, like, I never thought of it that way or, oh, my gosh, I think I went through that too and I haven't really thought about it. So, that's a moment of, and then everything changed too. Mhm. Mhm. So, uh, do you have any advice for someone who wants to get started in podcasting? Um, I think that if you want to get started in podcasting, think about why you want to do it. You know, what's the reason? I think there are podcasts that have a lot of talking about the, like, I think that 
so for me personally, I'm not as interested in a talking head podcast. I don't like as much necessarily a cult of personality, which is why I try not to talk as much on my podcast and let the guest be the person in the spotlight. That said, I have had a couple of listeners ask you to learn a little bit more about me or, oh, I like it when you talk a little bit more and we learn a little bit about you. So that's a balance. I think that if you want to do it, you should do it. I think I sat around for almost a year thinking about it without starting it. But now that I've started it, it was definitely took some time to ramp myself up to learn what I needed to do. And certainly, if you live in an area and you want to use a recording studio, you should do that. You don't have to record remotely. But I mean, you're recording remotely now, and I'm recording remotely now, and it works great, right? This is a big world, and if you want as many guests who are from all over the places you can get, you need to do it. So I would say, like with any project, just start doing it. Like with writing, just start writing. With podcasting, start doing it. And, you know, probably get like five or six episodes, you know, banked before you launch so that you're not rushing around like I did. (laughs) My husband said to me, don't launch. He's not a podcaster, but he said, don't launch until you've got a couple of episodes done and edited and everything because you're going to stress out. Lo and behold, he was right. So I should (laughs) have listened to my husband. (laughs) He's right. I have to admit it. He's right. Yeah, just get your microphone. Don't spend a ton of money. I would say get it started and see if you like it. And if you like it, then you can spend more money on your resources and tools. But there's nothing holding us back, I really feel like, except for ourselves. I mean, that's a generalization. There are extenuating circumstances. I understand that not everyone has freedom the way I'm talking about. But if you are a creative person and you have some resources and you have just a little bit of time, you can do it. You can just get started. And then, you know what? Join the Facebook communities, right, like Podcast Movement and She Podcast, because those people have so many resources and they're all there for you to just ask questions of and learn from the people who have gone before. So uh, what do you have to promote for yourself? Uh, you mentioned you're uh, working on the the book. What else can you tell so us about yourself? So if people want to read, but, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can go to com. That is my website, and I know that's a real big mouthful. My name is R-O-N, like Nancy, I-T, Ronit, and then Fine Glass, F as in Frank, E-I-N-G-L-A-S-S, and then Plank, P-L-A-N-K.com, and there you will find links to all of my writing that's published. You'll find links to other podcasts I've appeared on and my own podcasts, this my podcast and then everything changed as well as my older podcast that I co-hosted with Katie Anthony which is called Mouthy Messy Mandatory and that's a super feminist type of take kind of funny and off the cuff and then you'll see updates also about my book which I hope will be out soon and that's what I have to promote wonderful Roni do you have social media pages that people can find you? Yes. So my Instagram is Ronit Plank Writing, or you can look at my Facebook page is Ronit Sunglass Plank. I'm also on Twitter at Plank Ronit. And then the podcast And Then Everything Changed has And Then Everything Changed Insta for Instagram. And Then Everything Changed, it's got a Twitter account, which is A-T-E-C-P-Cast. It also has a Facebook page. Oh, yes, let me promote this. And then Everything Changed on Facebook has a community page, and there you can ask questions. You can join a discussion about the podcast episodes, and I'm really actively trying to grow that. 
So if anyone wants to join that community, please jump on, and we will start our community, you know, really going for 2020. I would really love that. I would love to communicate more with listeners and guests. Oh, that's great. Do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with people just discovering our podcast or people who have followed and then everything changed? I really appreciate that question, Sherry. I would love to hear from listeners. I love new listeners. So if you think that my podcast sounds interesting to you, please go ahead and check it out. I'm on all podcast platforms, and um, you will definitely find at least some content there that you find interesting. And if you like it, please, please share it with your friends and family. Tell them about it because I'm a baby podcast, and I'd like to become a toddler slash teenager podcast soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to the shows that you have in store for 2020 and the progression of this wonderful forum that you have created for people to listen oh, to, to to let people be aware that they're not alone and that everyone has struggles and there is a way out of it. Yeah, I really, really appreciate that takeaway. It's really nice to hear that from you as a reflection on what you think the podcast offers. So thank you so much. And Sherry, thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. And to everyone listening to your podcast or mine, we'll chat soon. Hey, we're Hannah and Eric O'Birding. We've been described as a combo of birder goals and relationship goals. We bring you this podcast by a birder, for birder, of all skill levels and interests. We share our adventures, sometimes misadventures, and our opinions about birding topics. We love to go on adventures, meet new people, and watch birds. On this podcast, we highlight cool places, discuss neat birds, showcase awesome people, have a good time, and try to make the birding world a better place. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts every other Thursday and learn more at www.gobirdingpodcast.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.